Alright guys, um, welcome back. This is part two of my moral foundations test. Please listen to part one before listening to this podcast episode. I am taking a 36 question test on moral foundational theory. Uh, I'll read to you the premise again as a reminder if I can find it. I'm a little scattered here, aren't I? Um, No, I'm not going to read it. I don't have it on the page and I'm in the middle of this test so I don't want to lose where I am. Basically, I'm taking this test to find out where I stack uh, compared to society in terms of my moral principles. Jonathan Haidt especially has been one of the most influential thinkers in my life. I read his book, The Righteous Mind, after Trump won the election in 2016, because I was trying to just understand other people, if I'm honest. And I've gained a lot of appreciation for conservatives. Now, that doesn't mean I've become conservative. Maybe I have. I mean, that's kind of why I'm taking this test, to see if I actually am conservative. But uh, I kind of know that I'm not. I know that I kind of max out on openness to new experience and adventurousness and, you know, very modern mores regarding almost everything. Um, Well, not everything. I guess that's the thing. I'm, I'm learning... Is learning the right word? I'm appreciating some traditional things more and more. I think there's a lot to be said for stuff like that. So, yeah, um, you'll hear me talking about some of that in this test, and I think that'll continue here. Um, But let's see how it goes. I'm going to do the last uh, 11 out of 36 questions now, and then I'm going to analyze my responses and my score and all that. So let's get back into it. Um, I just talked about that. Let's see where I'm at. All right. Um, yeah, let's get into it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna resist my urge to <laughs> uh, to talk about other topics that I'm experiencing in my daily life right now. Now is not the time for that, Keith. Let's do this test. Question twenty five of thirty six. This is it. While on a live air TV show, while on a live on air TV show, a man kills a baby rabbit with a knife. Okay. Um, seems excessive. Seems uh, unpleasant. I need more information. Are we watching a Survivor episode, a Bear Grylls nature documentary style show? Are we watching? Our Real Housewives episode? Are we watching gratuitous violence? Are we learning anything? Are we... What is being uh, appealed to here? Our base instincts for violence and terror? Or our our yearning to learn and understand nature? You know, like I I might want to know how to kill a rabbit in the forest. Um, but I don't really need to see a psychopath on live TV uh, do something ghastly you know what i mean like it depends and that kind of goes for so many of these questions on this test context matters so much to me for sure like yes there are universal truths but like it really depends and i need to see a story play out in order to judge it and this is not a lot of information to go on that said 
Um, I'm not super offended by gore. I can handle it. I, 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 I look at a lot of images of nature being brutal. Uh, I've seen a lot of animals die uh, at the hand of one another. Um, so I can tolerate that. I kind of judge society, like an American society that has a, has a desire for this kind of TV. Like, obviously the TV producers are giving us what we want. Why do we want this? Like, I would never choose to watch this in terms of like a, an on-air TV show like Survivor. I've never watched Survivor, for instance. Um, I could see some appeal, but like the whole gamification and like whatever melodrama, like that's not very interesting to me. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's fine. Like I'm not disturbed. It's okay with me. It's not morally repugnant to like this question does not bother me morally. It's like, I, I judge it. Like, why do we want this? Why are we watching this? But like the fact that it's a baby rabbit doesn't really make a difference to me. Um, the fact that it's live on air doesn't really mean too much to me. It just, it does have, a, it's a statement about society. Maybe we've lost our way, but it's not that big of a deal. Like people like to be entertained. Like it's fine with me you know, basically, but I don't want to endorse it either. Next question. John's soccer coach decides that everyone on the team must wear black soccer shoes. But on the day of the match, John turns up wearing white soccer shoes instead. All right. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this, actually. And they go in different directions, as usual. I identify with John. I get it. I appreciate individuality and rebelliousness for sure. That said, I'm not on a soccer team. I'm not playing any organized sports. I'm not working with a bunch of other people toward a unified goal, which is what team sports are. I used to play baseball as a kid. I played soccer too. Um, I wore the team uniform. It's not the time to like express your individuality. Like There are some ways, but embrace the uniform you know like that's what you're doing you're playing a team sport and you're you're being part of a collective and i'm not a collectivist at all i'm not part of a co-op i'm not into any of that kind of stuff i'm definitely not a communist or something but there's something to be said for camaraderie and uh you know a defined goal that you mutually pursue and your outfit might play a part in that. I mean, I watch some team sports and I like when there's some like uniformity in the uniforms. I like seeing like something consistent from a design perspective. I like the aesthetic of that. Uh, it annoys me if I see one player doing something like that. Uh, is this the time to make that statement? Is the soccer coach out of line for demanding this? Maybe, but like there are these kind of militaristic vibes in things like sports. Like it's kind they kind of, it, it makes sense. Like this is how we as a society exercise our drive for war, fundamentally speaking. Like that's what sports are. And it's fun because it's like tapping into the competitiveness, our competitive nature, but also our brotherly nature you know our 
camaraderie through team activity like that is something to celebrate and you don't have to be like all hierarchical authoritarian to appreciate that you know like i'm not that stuff but i can i do judge john here for turning up in white soccer shoes like he's some cool no one's gonna tell me what to do well yeah you have a coach that's the coach's job is to like essentially have the greater good in mind you know like if you're in a symphony it's not up to you to just take a solo you know what i mean like that's not up to you i don't care how individualistic you are that's not the point of a symphony so i hate to be like all supportive of hierarchy and order because that's not my spirit in general but i get it and like if you're not into that don't join a team sport you know i do want to mention like a recent uh national news thing from a few years ago colin kaepernick the nfl athlete who took a knee during the national anthem to protest something or other i mean does, i don't even remember what he was protesting so that's how effective that was but he made a real name for himself he got blacklisted from national football league because he made it clear that he prioritized his own politics or spiritual beliefs or whatever over his game and his teammates. Like, he made a show of himself taking a knee during the National Anthem. Now, granted, the National Anthem sucks. Like, I don't need to... Actually, it's a fine song. But I don't care about that when I'm at a game. I don't need to, like, stand up and put my hand over my heart. Like, whatever. I get it. Like, I don't have all this reverence for that. But... You're a paid athlete as part of a team sport to play football. And I know that that's like a conservative talking point, but it's actually also true. So you have to pick your battles and find out where you can have your voice. Like say in an interview what you believe, you know, go out and get a Nike sponsorship on your own time standing up for something. Like why are you making a spectacle taking away from the sport? I don't get that. I mean, I get it because I have that energy too, but I also do respect the game. I don't even like, I hate football. I hate National Football League, but I still get the pomp and circumstance around it. Like that's part of it for people. That's why I hate it. It's because it's so militaristic and, you know, rah, 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 patriotic, jingoistic. Like that is what NFL is. And this guy decided to fight that. And it's like, I get it. Like I'm, I'm on his side actually, but I... I demonstrate that by not paying attention, not watching games. That's how I deal with it. You know what I mean? I don't join the league and then take it down from the inside by taking a knee. It's like, yeah, surprise, surprise, no one likes you now that is involved with that league. And the people that like you, yeah, they buy Nike shoes so you can sell to them. But like, I don't know. It's just like, find your audience, know, your, know the time and place, pick your battles. You know, like, you don't have to be... This is not a black and white thing. You don't have to be like pure authoritarian. These are the rules. And you don't also have to be um, be an individual at all times. Let your freak flag fly. You know, like, don't you get it? Like, life is nuanced and you have to, like, have some, some uh, sophistication about this stuff. I judge John here. Like, I'm annoyed that he wears white shoes, even though I get it. It's not the time. Uh, next. My computer is acting up. It's pretty annoying. 
how many questions did I accidentally skip just now? Okay, 27. Hannah inherited an old flag of her country from her father, but has never used it. One day when Hannah is cleaning the house, she discovers that she is out of rags, so she uses the flag as a rag to clean the house. Wow. Um, look, I'm not a patriot. I don't have a flag. I've never owned a flag. I don't care about the flag really, but this is wrong. Like, that's not cool. Um, if I was directing a movie or writing a story, I would use this little moment to show how disrespectful and oblivious Hannah is to greater things. And maybe, you know, I'm not a God and country person. Let's be honest. I'm an atheist that lives abroad. But nonetheless, like, have some damn respect for what your father has handed you. It means something to him. Um, you know, like, if you print the flag onto a rag, that's fine. Or even toilet paper. Like, whatever. But to, like, take this, like, relic or this, like, souvenir and desecrate it to clean? Like, that... Like, I don't even use... I don't know, like, when I clean, like, I'm conscious of what I'm using. I won't even use, like, a good towel to wipe down some, You know what I mean? Like, this is so egregious to me as, like, an OCD kind of person or kind of like a, you know, everything in its right place kind of person. Like, this is egregious. It's rude and it's disrespectful. And it's not that it's about your country. Like, I don't care about that. The flag means so many different things to different people. And I think for Americans, it's hard for us because, like, look, we're not one nation. We're many nations under one empire. So our flag is, like, really tricky. But if you look at something like Israel or Latvia or South Korea or Japan, like, those countries are nations. And they that flag means something to the people, you know? It's a unifying symbol of their identity. And... I wish I had that, frankly, you know, like I like the California flag more so because I identify as a Californian. So, you know, flags get a bad rap because the U.S. has done so many bad atrocities as an empire. So burning the flag was a thing and I get it. Um, but that said, like, I also can appreciate that there are patriotic people that are super offended by that. And I'm not going to go out of my way to shove a middle finger in their face you know what i mean so it's not the worst crime but it's it's not cool to do this hannah <laughs> question 28 come on computer in biology class a human hand preserved in a jar is passed around among the students that's fine i'm fine with that um I'm even more than fine with that. Like, that's good. Now, I, let me, let me expound on it. I, I respect science. I respect understanding and dissecting and I'm even okay with testing things on animals for the greater, like for the greater good of knowledge, you know, like I have a high tolerance for that and a human hand doesn't freak me out. Um, so it's totally fine. But I can imagine a situation in which it's not cool. Like if it's like a rowdy classroom and the teacher can't get control of it and the kids are passing it around like it's some sort of, you know, 
like without any reverence at all like they're just like almost dropping it and laughing and being like you gross like if it's like that that's not cool right um but let's presume it's just a normal classroom and it's for the sake of science and it's a human hand like we should be so lucky as to see a human hand in that way like that that's that's interesting that changes your whole perspective on what a hand is you know that's fascinating frankly now I'll say another thing. I wouldn't want it to be my hand. I'm not too serious about that. Like I'll be dead, so whatever in regard to my body, but I do have some spiritual beliefs about my body. I want to be buried in the earth without a coffin. I want to be one with the with the earth. Um I don't want to be burned. Um, I think that's weird. I don't know why people are so into that. Um, I want my body to like degrade back into mother nature. Um, scattering your ashes is kind of cool, but like, it's never quite right. Like I would love to be in the air, but like, it's very hard to go from a physical, uh, solid to a gas and burning is just like, why do you want to get burned? Like, that's what happened in the Holocaust. Like, that's dehumanizing. Um, I don't even know if I want to donate my organs because I have a, a sense of selfhood that is a little irrational, but not that irrational. I mean, look, we live in our bodies our whole lives, so of course we are connected to them. Um, I don't have this total disregard for my body. Um when I'm dead, I won't have a say in that. But right now I do have a say and I want it to be intact. So I, I revere the human body, but that's what makes science even more valuable. Like we want to understand ourselves and our bodies. And if this can be done respectfully, that is awesome. So I am doubly okay, but not triply okay. Because again, like there is something disturbing about a dismembered hand or any part of your body because like yeah it's someone had to cut that off someone had to take that from a full body someone had to die to produce that hand you know what i mean like there's some amount of disturbance there but i'm not ski squ uh, <laughs> squeamish about it next in sex education class, the students are taught that since the sexes are equal, the girls should sleep with as many guys as they want without fear of being considered sluts. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to get onto our rant about this. I know it. Um, I'll start by just saying slut shaming is lame. Don't shame sluts. Sluts are cool. Sluts are girls maybe guys, that hook up freely with as many people as they want. That's fine. Like, I like that. I, I value people that do that. It's cool. I can handle that. I'm kind of hedonistic. That's not true for everyone. So here we go. The students are taught that since the sexes are equal, that's just not true. The sexes are not equal. I mean, especially in a sex education class, the sexes are literally different. Now, socially, politically, 
all humans deserve rights and they all deserve the like equal rights i believe in striving for that as a liberal as a classical liberal as a whatever but that doesn't make that doesn't mean that the genders are the same thing this is a very misguided sex ed teacher to bring politics into sex education sex is literally opposite genitalia and those genitalia are fundamentally different now this is maybe biological essentialism what i'm about to say and that does open me up for criticism but i'm going to say it this is the deal men have penises which insert into openings women have vaginas which receive things that is already a fundamental difference energetically to penetrate versus to receive is fundamentally it's a huge cosmic difference and if you don't get that like you don't understand anything maybe like there's this uh, there's a zen yin yang beauty to this difference and it should be acknowledged and it should be celebrated it should not be denied for the sake of political convenience this has nothing to do with what you're paid with what jobs you get with whether or not you vote it has nothing to do with that this is sex and sex is primal sex is cosmic sex is uh ahistorical like sex is so such a big deal and i hate that we're politicizing it now there are the politics of sex but that's not what we're talking about i guess it is i guess this question is kind of about the politics of sex okay men produce and look i let's not get into the trans stuff i'm talking biologically xy chromosomes and xx chromosomes men produce sperm which comes out in the form of semen which and look they can produce infinite amounts of this that matters women produce or bear or have whatever eggs now this is a fundamental difference as well like a man can ejaculate let's say five times a day into a different woman every time and impregnate all of them he can do that five times a day for his whole life his whole sexual maturity that is crucial to understanding the difference in the genders women yeah you can go be sluts and have sex for fun that's fine but you will be impregnated by one sperm cell and you will carry that one sperm cell for nine months until it becomes a human being that is a huge deal you are not the same as a man that can just go ejaculate as much as he wants anywhere and is primarily driven to do so you have different biological programming to nurture that one fertilized egg you can ignore that we can structure society to ignore that i'm okay with doing that to some degree but men and women are not the same period and there's a reason why men are celebrated as players for hooking up with a lot of girls and women are not for hooking up with a lot of guys it's because it's different like men kind of revere one another for having a high number let's say 
because it shows prowess and virility and success. And like, look, I'm going to be honest, it's harder to have sex with women given that they are the judges and, um, you know, gatekeepers of life. It's very easy to have sex with men. Like, if a woman wants to have sex, she can do it like that. You know, it's not a challenge. So it doesn't deserve the same kind of cele- like celebration for a woman to do that. In fact, it can be degrading. It's degrading emotionally. It's confusing if you're kind of biologically programmed to like kind of attach yourself to one lover who can be a father through your pregnancy and beyond. Like, it's just so, I don't know why we don't think about this stuff and why I'm like some sort of traditionalist for saying this. This is just facts. And I say it welcoming and enjoying hookup culture, alternative lifestyles. Like, I'm not, I'm not, disparaging any of that it's cool that some women want to get gang banged that's fine like i believe in people experiencing the utmost of their sexual desires and that is across the board like it gets as wild as you can imagine right so that's great i don't judge any of that what i judge is a society that pretends that because we all deserve human rights that the sexes are the same that's just wrong You're stupid if you think that. We're not the same. It doesn't mean that one is better. We're different. Yin and yang, it's like, oh, which one is better, yin or yang? That's a stupid question to ask. And if one person says, oh, yin is so much better, they're stupid. I'm not going into that. I'm just saying that this sex ed teacher is stupid for bringing politics into the sex education. Women should be encouraged to explore their sexuality as they like, but understand that in terms of biology, the way it works is that you get impregnated by sperm, a sperm cell, and you carry that thing until it's life. And that is such a big deal that we have created societies around the family dynamic. You know, like it is it's basically the pillar of human the human species for crying out loud so to say that like it means nothing and that men can become women and that women can be men and that like women can treat their bodies just like men treat their body like these are lies these are like activist propaganda lies and i feel bad for anyone that kind of takes on these lies and lives them because it's just not true and that I, I say this in the same breath, like I want all my friends and all my family and all my future children to live the life they want and to choose their own path and find something experimental and novel and interesting. Like that's great, but just know that if you have a penis, it says some things about you and vice versa. So we can try and unlearn that stuff. We can process it. We can play with it. We can make different rules. We can make different etiquette. Like we can do all that. That's fine. I love that conversation. But don't tell me that men and women are the same thing. That's just like ignorant to say that. So yeah, uh, rant over. I'm not okay with this. Is it the worst thing in the world? Um, to give the devil its due. Yeah, women can sleep with as many guys as they want it's fine. They shouldn't be called sluts. Or if they are, they should be called it endearingly, you know? Um, Women should not shame each other, but they will. 
women sh- by the way women shame each other more than men shame women at least in my worlds like i don't hear any guys uh disparaging women for hooking up with a lot of guys like i've never heard it now i live in a certain kind of society uh in more uh catholic societies it's probably not true but um i don't see that um how not okay is this I guess I'm pretty mad about it, so I guess it's really not okay with me. Um, No, the thing is that I do believe fundamentally in the freedom of people to do what they want, and maybe this question is presuming that we're in this traditional society that does slut shame and that does have these traditional norms for men and women. The fact is that that's wrong. Like, we don't live in that society anymore, guys. It's not radical at all for a woman to be slutty. Like, that's kind of absolutely accepted and celebrated at this point. So, um, quite frankly, there aren't enough traditional role models for women that I'm aware of. Um, in Hollywood, like, you're kind of, it's kind of taboo to, like, be traditionalist. Um, so I don't know what world this sex ed teacher thinks she's, rev- like, revolutionizing. Um everyone sees porn uh every pop star and actress in hollywood you know ingenue is like very sexually open so yeah it's not like modern teenagers are confused about their options (laughs) um that i'm aware of i could be wrong uh but i do want to basically kind of support the fact that uh women should be encouraged to go against the grain, whatever that means to them. Like, they don't have to be anything. They don't have to be uh, housewives. They also don't have to turn into men. They don't have to be ball-busting, career-oriented women either, you know? They can be anything. And I always feel good, when I, as a social observer, to see a, a myriad of examples out there. To have a cool, slutty girl. To have a cool prim and proper girl to have a good role model that's really sciencey and nerdy and also have a good role model that's athletic and you know like we should have all of these things because people are different and diverse in their um, lifestyles but if you're a woman you are united with other women by having menstruation by feeling physically vulnerable by considering uh, a family and motherhood like those are fundamental to womanhood don't tell me they're not. I know not all women choose those things. That's obvious. But womenhood, women are united on some topics. Why are we trying to deny that? And why are we letting men in on all that? Like, I don't know. That's my little rant. Uh, I'm moving on. Tina promises her dying mother that she'll visit her grave once a month. After the mother has passed away... Tina finds it hard to squeeze in the time, and her visits drop to about once a year. Ain't that the truth? I'm sure this is extremely common, um, and it's fine. I don't have a problem with this, really at all. Um, Look, it's nice that she promised her dying mother, like, that dying mother had some last days that she could feel warm about, and was comforted by this idea that Tina said. And Tina could have meant it. She really might have believed that. 
and the spirit of that statement could still be true like she loves her mother and she wants her in her life like that stuff is real that's what loss is once you lose that person then what like what are you gonna do like pretend she's still alive act like you're seeing her all the time like you have to move on you know you have to move on in life um I don't think she's desecrating the memory of her mother. I don't think she's offending the ghost of her mother. She's not going and kicking the grave. She's not never going. She's not, she didn't lie and like turned her back right away. You know, like this is just a very understandable situation. Life changes without the parent there. Her life changed. It's harder to squeeze in the time. That's a totally understandable, sympathetic position to be in. And her visits drop to about once a year. Like, maybe that's plenty to remember, to honor her in this specific way. I mean, I'm sure the the memory pops up constantly in her life as she's washing her dishes and stuff. That doesn't mean she has to go to the gravesite. All that said, I actually want my parents to be buried in a grave so that I can do this visit once a year. Even if I only do it once ever, like it's meaningful to have a place where you go as like a pilgrimage, you know, as like a, as a journey and you have this goal of standing physically in front of something and it's right there, like that is powerful. And you don't get that if it's like, I don't know, an urn, it's not the same. Uh, I like graveyards. I think that there's something profound about being buried. And to visit a grave, a tombstone, is meaningful for a reason. And I, I respect that people honor that. And if they go every day, fair enough. That's their process. That's overkill to me. Like, live your life, you know? Like, you're not living if you're going every week or once a month. Like, if it's in your town, that's cool. But if, like, you don't live there, near there, and you shouldn't have to, by the way. Anyways, this is fine with me. Is it totally fine? Is it like three notches okay? Um, yeah, it is three notches okay for me. Like, I, it's hard for me to imagine how this is bad. It's frankly hard for me to imagine how this is bad. It's like all good to me. It's all fine. It's like she still loves, she still misses her mom. She still remembers her. Like, I don't have any reason to doubt that from this setup. So it's fine. Okay. Sarah gets drunk in a bar and makes out with two strangers at once. All right, kind of back to the sex and slut shaming kind of stuff. Um, I'm not going to shame her because it's cool. It's fine to make out in a bar with two strangers if that's what you want to do. But I will qualify it. I have more things to say. It's not absolutely the coolest thing in the world to do. Um, okay, so I have some personal biases here. Am I attracted to Sarah? Are the strangers she's making out with worthy competitors? <laughs> like, as a man, as a warm-blooded man, like, I have a competitive nature with other men, and I develop crushes on women, and I'm offended if women date men that I don't approve of. Now, I'm making this 
I'm, I have to explicitly say this is a personal bias because I know that this is not fair or rational or something, but that's how I feel. And I bet a lot of you feel that way. Like, I don't want to see my crush make out with two losers that are super gross and maybe even taking advantage of her and it's not even consensual. Like, I'm going to get pissed and I'll judge Sarah for getting too loose because she's put herself in that position and I'll want to, like, fight these guys, you know what I mean? Like, I can imagine that. But I can also imagine Sarah being my friend and, like, knowing that she's, like, stressed out and hasn't maybe, like, expressed her sexuality in a while or maybe this is kind of a fantasy and these two strangers are like actually cool guys that all of our friends were hanging out with in this bar and you know they were flirting and it led to this and it was awesome and I was totally encouraging of it because these guys seemed like you know on her level and I vouch for them even and you know, she's getting wasted because that's how she relaxes and she wants to lower inhibitions. So, like, I can totally see both sides. I see that side even more um, because I've been in plenty of bars where this kind of thing happens. Maybe not two strangers at once necessarily, but people like to let loose in a hedonistic way. People like to lose their minds. Like, I fully endorse that. It's Dionysian. It's it's important spiritually for people to lose consciousness, not blackout consciousness, but like to lose their state of mind that imprisons them on a daily basis. It's important to lose that and to get in touch with our animalistic sides, you know? My only issue is my personal bias regarding Sarah and the people that she chooses to make out with. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's a rarer case. It's it's rare that I feel, like, protective and this urge to, like, intervene, you know? But if I was a dad and Sarah was my daughter, I would probably have different feelings. And look, guys, I don't have to literally be a dad to understand that. I have to make that point. You don't have to literally be in that person's shoes to understand what they're going through. This is a lie that people tell each other. Oh, you, you don't know what it's like to be fill in the blank. Yes, I do. I read books. I watch movies. I hear stories. You're telling me. You don't think I understand your words that you're telling me? Yes, I understand what you're telling me. Like, yeah, I'm not a woman who feels physically vulnerable, but I, I get it. It's not so hard to imagine that. You know what I mean? It's, like, actually totally within the realm of my imagination. <laughs> so it's not like I have to be a woman to get that. Um, but, yeah, for my moral compass, this is not so bad of Sarah. Like, go Sarah, if that's what you want to do. Now, we do have to think about consent and how much she's welcoming these advances and how skeevy these guys are and how much they're pushing it publicly and all these things. Those have to be considered. We need more context. But overall... This was fine. Question 32. When Carl's soccer team is squaring off against the team of another nation, he sings along to the other team's national anthem instead of his own. Okay, this is pretty reminiscent of our last soccer question with the shoes. Um, this seems weird and silly and pointless. I mean, is Carl just being antagonistic for the sake of it? Is he... Does he have something against his teammates? Is he 
I mean, look, if you're playing in the World Cup, and that is when nations compete, and you're playing for Germany, why would you be singing along with Argentina? That doesn't make any sense. Um, it's like being provocative just for the sake of it. And I say that as somebody who is often accused of being provocative just for the sake of it. Know your moment. Pick your battles. Like, know your audience. Like, why would you... Do, I don't even... Is this even real? Like, I can't imagine this ever happening. Um, it seems really self-indulgence and, like... Look at me. Look how much I don't care about my country. Look how much I... Look how international I am. I'm seeing the other team's national anthem. Like, go play on that team if you love them so much. Go become a citizen of them, you know? Like, I don't know why I have to stand up again for, like, this kind of, like, traditional hierarchy thing. But, like, we're talking about team sports. If we're talking about, I don't know, like, a, a relaxed whatever... Um, you know, maybe you got picked by the wrong team, or, like, if you were playing in, like, professional soccer, like, they have, like, you know, like, different athletes from different countries play for all, for all sorts of teams. Like, if you're playing on Team Barcelona, but you're from, uh, you know, Buenos Aires, and then you're playing against a team that has a bunch of Argentinians on it, okay, yeah, maybe you do something like that. But to literally sing another team's national anthem when it's your nation playing them, that's just bizarre. I don't even know if I morally judge it. It's just like, I, it's an eye roll more than anything. Like, what are you doing? I guess I'll morally judge it a bit. Because it's, it's just like, it's just weird. Uh, question 33 of 36. In sex education class, the students are asked to inflate a condom with their mouth. Man, it's like every other question is like a sex or a sex ed question. This one is also just totally bizarre. What the hell are you talking about? Inflate a condom with your mouth? Um, why? This would, would this happen? Does this happen? So for those that don't know, at no point ever would you have to inflate a condom with your mouth. I guess you can do like a balloon. Um, I have a hard time imagining how that is relevant to education. I guess if you're being taught that you have to roll the condom down over your penis as opposed to unraveling it all at once and putting it on like a sock. Um, but that doesn't seem relevant here. I, I, I don't see any educational value in doing this. Uh, I also don't see any like danger in terms of traumatizing kids or... You know, it's not like it's like wrong information. It's just totally irrelevant. Um, I would definitely strike it from the curriculum, but I wouldn't necessarily fire the teacher. It could be in jest. It could be to make the classroom looser and lighter. Maybe that's valid. Maybe um, I can say as a former educator and maybe um, I'll always be an educator in some way. Um, there's a value to like keeping things loose and trying out things and improvising in a classroom and maybe that falls in the line here. Um, is it morally okay or not? It's, it's, I don't know. Morals don't really come into this to me. It's fine, I guess. Um, yeah, morally speaking, it's, it's slightly okay, I guess. Like if that's where the classroom goes with their juvenile energy, I won't 
reprimand them. I'll like ask them to stop after one, you know, class clown does it. You know what I mean? Like that's, I don't want to like shame that. I don't want to traumatize by making a big deal out of it. Like fine, it happened. It's not an immoral act to do that. But I would not ask them to do it. Like why are the students asked to do that? You know, like this is such a weird question. I don't even know what this is testing for, but that's weird. But I'm going to say slightly okay. 34. Some men have a private all-male club, and feminists take them to court, demanding that they open it up to women. This is where feminism gets a bad name. Like, why are you nagging this private all-male club? This is not a corporation. This is not voting rights. This is a private all-male club. Like, leave men alone. Let them have spaces. Like... I don't understand this urge to like spoil everything with this activist energy. We demand equal representation in your club. Like, what are you talking about? This is a poker game. This is, you know, whatever it is. I don't know. Like, this is a bachelor party. Like, why do you think you belong in every little group? You don't. Like, not everyone gets, you don't, you're not owed access to everything in the world. You're not owed sexual partners. That's a hard lesson that we all have to learn. You're not owed a certain wage, you know? Like, you're not owed anything. We try and set up a society so that people's needs are covered as best we can while still appreciating that we're individuals in a messy, on a messy planet. Like, what is this need to control this? Let people have their spaces. I don't get this. I don't, I mean, how private, how, what kind of club are we talking about? You know, I mean, I guess I can imagine an instance where it's not cool for men to like make it only men. If it's like a, if it's a school, like if it's Harvard and then that's a private all-male club, okay, maybe that's something to open up because, you know, higher ed institutions are a gate toward professional lives, you know, like that should be opened up. Um, at some point, institutions like clubs become so big that they're no longer just private. It's hard to call it private, you know. Um, but if it's like literally a neighborhood of dudes that like watching sports together, why do you even want to be a part of it? Like if you belong if you mix in like you'll be a part like there are girls that are just one of the guys you know like you can do it um demanding it based on equality is like it's annoying like average people are annoyed by that behavior it's like go make your own club you know like that's what's happening right now like in my world of like art and photography and writing like it's the other way around. It's all like women's groups only, like female photographers only, like female photographers wanted. Like there's all these Instagrams of like, it's all women. And yeah, I get it. Like maybe it used to be boys clubs. Maybe there are like photography clubs that were men, male dominated. But it's not that you were forbidden. And now you are forbidding men. Like, what are you doing? Like, do you believe in equal access or do you just want to make a point about gender wars and you know what I mean like what's the point I believe in equal access and equal opportunity based on merit based on vibes based on how like things play out 
you know, energetically. That's what I believe in. To, like, make rules, like, this is only for men, this is only for women. Like, that's a little silly. It's a little silly. Like, I, I even feel that way about bathrooms. Like, okay, segregate, segregate public restrooms so that, like, we don't spoil the mystique by hearing each other farting, you know? But, like, if a man dresses up in drag or even, like, identifies as a woman, let him walk into the women's bathroom because energetically that's what he's doing. That's what he's living. Like, that's fine. Um, and vice versa. But this does not need to be taken to court, does it? Like, this is just making a mountain out of a molehill. This is just, like, all of this energy wasted. That's how I feel about it. It's not okay. Like, it's not okay to me. It's 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 offensive to me, frankly. It's not the worst thing, but, like, pick your fights. Like, is this really the fight to have? Go fight a corporate, you know, um, you know, old-school boys club in a corporate level, not some private little club thing. Um, okay. And of course, back to sex. A man orders a custom-built sex doll designed to look just like his niece. Wow. So, it disturbs me when I read it. You know, it's it's. There's, there's disturbances here. <laughs> let's let's get into them. So, sex dolls are real. Um, this is a an industry that's really growing. I mean, it's kind of exciting, if I'm honest. It's interesting. Um, sex robots. Um, pornography is, like, always a frontier. People's sex drives are just so damn insatiable that, you know, society hits its limits in terms of how it can finesse hookups. Because, again, women are difficult. <laughs> women ain't easy. Like, it's very, it's very rare to meet, quote, easy women. Um, dating apps are always majority men. Always. Men just always want sex more than women across the board. Not in every instance. Not in every relationship, obviously. But, like, in terms of single people, in terms of single men versus single women, um, in general, there's, a set, there's an obvious market for sex dolls. Okay, that's probably not where I'm supposed to be focusing. The niece part is probably more salacious. Um, what would truly be disturbing in this question, and what I would absolutely judge morally, is if this man assaulted his niece, sexually assaulted his niece. That is obviously not okay. That is extremely not okay. That said, it actually is a net good that he's had a custom-built sex doll ordered because he's sublimating his attraction into something where there is no victim. And I want to make a point here regarding sexual attraction. We don't choose who we're attracted to. No one chooses that. Man, I wish I could. I wish I could choose who I was attracted to. That would be so convenient if I could just literally be attracted to the person next to me that likes me. Great, problem solved, you know? It's not like that, and it's not like that for most of us. We're annoyingly attracted to this one special person that's very hard to get, you know what I mean? Like, that's annoying. But we don't choose who we're attracted to. I pity pedophiles 
how awful is that that you're attracted to like 10 year olds that sucks for you that's awful what do you do about that do you castrate yourself some people do do you kill yourself some people do do you go on some sort of weird sex tour to southeast asia some people do in fact too many and there is too much of a market there and it's horrendous and some get caught and are vilified as like the most evil people in the world custom-built sex dolls answer that problem they solve that problem so do drawings if you can draw pictures and even animate those pictures to replicate sex acts against babies it's very disturbing i get that it's obviously disturbing i don't want to see that but for the people that somehow unfortunately crave seeing that they are we are now preventing abductions because they can see that through an animation you know what i mean if we can make sex dolls that look like forbidden lovers that will save lives it's absolutely a net positive so i am totally supportive of this now can i think of caveats yes i'll tell you this little story very little story i've seen a video of a man having sex with a sex doll the man was really gross overweight on the older side and the sex doll was immaculate like just imagine the most beautiful woman you can and i just saw this video and i was disturbed it offended me in this way that i've mentioned here on a competitive level like this is rude this is mean of me to say but it's i feel it and i'm sorry but i don't want men beneath me to have women above me <laughs> it like hurts me as a competitive man vying for partners like i am offended by that visual and that's weird to say because it's like that's not a woman that's a doll um and when i know that it puts me at ease like this man that i've just described probably never can have sex with this beautiful woman but he can replicate it he can watch porn for instance of beautiful women but he can also now have a sex doll and i celebrate people exploring their sexual fantasies just like with this girl in the bar making out with two guys like there's some judgment there depending on the circumstance but overall do you find your pleasure do what you need to do to get your kicks and to feel fulfilled in life like that's the point right that's like why we're here like isn't that our goal in general just to feel fulfilled to have like a great meal that satisfies us to have a family that we love and cherish like to have work that's meaningful like we want to be fulfilled having sex in this way might fulfill people so i support it i have no creepy qualms about it yes his niece that's creepy to me and to his niece and everyone that knows both for sure but to the makers of the doll it doesn't matter and now look we've like 
I think we've successfully sublimated his skeevy desire into something as healthy as possible, basically. Does it make him... Does it give him this taste for it and now he wants the real thing? That's kind of the argument against video games, right? Like, oh, it's violent video games that are making people violent. No, people were violent before video games. It sublimates aggression. It sublimates it. It mean, Which means it takes, it channels that innate energy in us and it provides a healthier place for it to go. That's what that does. So I support this. And I almost should just go full okay, like all the way. Do you guys think that I should hold back a little bit given my own biases? I'm not sure. I mean, no, I, I fully support it. I've made the argument for it. All right, guys, we're on the last question. Question 36. An army lieutenant neglects to file a report on a civilian killing done by his troops because he knows it was an accident. All right, this is also a big one. Um, all right, so I've never been in the armed forces. I have no desire to. Um, I can appreciate some of the good qualities that it might provide. Discipline, sense of belonging, sense of honor, that kind of stuff is fine. Um, war sucks. I don't support most wars, but there are good wars. I mean, fighting for your nation's independence is usually considered a good thing. Fighting against true evil is considered a good thing. Killing civilians sucks. Like, no one should be a fan of that. Um, civilians do die in war. That's called collateral damage. It's, it's unfortunate. You know, it's bad. Okay, so all that should be clear. Um, an army lieutenant. So this sounds like um, a good topic for a movie. There's probably a movie about this. Um, so we have basically a lieutenant is like kind of high ranking. Uh, his troops kill somebody by accident. Now, there's like a military court with like lawyers and stuff that judges these kind of cases. They like look at the evidence, like was it an accident? Did somebody violate protocol? Um, was something egregious? Where did we drop the ball? How, did, how could we prevent this? Do we have to fire somebody, dishonorable discharge somebody? There's all this kind of stuff that goes on in a court. It's a to-do. It's a big rigmarole, you know? Um, I can appreciate that this lieutenant has the wherewithal and the personal ability to judge and decide, look, I know it's an accident. I know how much time and energy will be wasted if I report this only for a judge to come to the exact same conclusion as I, I, I already know. Plus, these are my guys. Like, I don't want to put them through all these trials and tribulations on top of, like, surely it already weighs heavily to kill civilians. I mean, I guess there are sociopaths that kill people indiscriminately in war, but I think most people do get shell-shocked from killing people. So I think all this has to be weighed, and I respect this lieutenant for actually, quote, neglecting to file a report. Like, paperwork sucks, bureaucracy sucks. It's like, by and large, annoying. Like, I even have sympathy for the police 
as a union to try to not bother with that stuff. Now, granted, obviously that goes too far. A lot of injustice is a, is committed because some things do need to be reported. But the way this is getting set up is that it doesn't need to be reported because he knows it was an accident. Now, does he know? Maybe that is for a judge to decide. Maybe it should go to court. So that's where it gets tricky. But if I was watching this movie, I think if I was directing this movie, I would make the lieutenant a sympathetic character because I value his ability to decide that. Now, if he's wrong and if I'm wrong, so be it. I guess, you know, the world and you guys will say so. But I'm not this by-the-book taskmaster who insists on, you know, like, holding to task every minor infraction in life. Like, what a waste of time, you know? Like, we need to make these kind of judgment calls. And ultimately speaking, we care about justice. We care about, you know, bigger topics. Is he violating justice? Is he preventing justice? That's the question. And I would say no, he's not. So I'm okay with this with some reservations. I won't go full on because, again, like, this is why we have a justice system so that we don't have vigilantes just deciding on their own. But overall, I kind of support some amount of, like, cowboy Wild West justice. And in the, in like, in the theater of war, I think it's pretty damn common and probably overall fine. Like, it's a little late for our morals to kick in. Like, if we've already sent troops to Afghanistan to kill a bunch of people or whatever, we've made our bed, so to speak. Um, we kind of have to hope we're putting in place good lieutenants, you know, at that point. All right, I'm finishing. Let's see our results. If my computer cooperates, I'm sorry for these technical dis disruptions. Man, this is slow. All right. Huh. So, this is a moral foundations test. I'm being shown my moral foundations as a bar graph. The six measurements are care, fairness, loyalty, authority, purity, and liberty. And it's comparing me to a left liberal, a conservative, and a libertarian. So this has a political bent to it. And it's kind of like, where do I identify politically? So I'm looking at these graphs. Let's do it one by one. Care. Left liberals score the highest here. Maybe I'll read to you what they say for each one. Care, this foundation pertains to our mammalian need to care for our young and to form bonds of attachment to others. It underlies the virtues of kindness and nurturance and is tied to emotions such as protectiveness and compassion. Left liberals typically score the highest on this dimension, then conservatives and libertarians the lowest. So I actually score quite high. I have a 69% here. And it looks like liberals, left liberals, are up to around 74, 75. Um, so I'm very close to a left liberal in terms of care. And this is where 
I'll celebrate with my left liberal listeners here. This is where we really have something in common. Um, it's not the only place we have something in common, but we definitely share this moral foundational principle. I care about fellow people and left liberals also do conservatives less and libertarians even less than that. I actually thought that I was libertarian in regard to care. I care too much about people to truly be libertarian. So there you go. That's something. Fairness. Let's read about fairness. This foundation pertains to our ability to maintain cooperative and mutually beneficial relationships. It underlies the virtues of honesty, justice, and dependability. It is tied to emotions such as gratitude, anger, and guilt. Left liberals typically score higher on this dimension than conservatives and libertarians, right? So left liberals are all the way up to, again, like 76 or so. I don't know what these numbers mean, but yeah, on the bar graph, left liberals are the highest. I'm lower here. I'm higher than the other two, but I'm lower than left liberals. So fairness, I don't prioritize as much as a left liberal. Um, I'm not as cutthroat about life as libertarians and conservatives seem to be the most careless about fairness. So there you go. Um, I'm closer to a libertarian regarding fairness. Life's not fair, and we can try and make it fair, but it's never going to be that fair. So I think I just understand that deeper than left liberals. Loyalty. This foundation is derived from our species' long history of living as tribes and clans, enabling us to form cohesive communities. It underlies the virtues of patriotism, bravery, and self-sacrifice on behalf of the group. It is tied to emotions such as pride and a sense of belonging. Conservatives typically score higher on this dimension than left liberals and libertarians. Okay, so looking at this, yeah, conservatives are all the way up at 60. 64 or so. Um, so I actually do score higher here than left liberals and libertarians, um, but nowhere near as high as conservatives. I'm at a 50%. I don't agree with this. Um, quite frankly, left liberals are way more loyal than they think. They're loyal to each other. Um, they play uh, partisan politics just as much as right-wingers. So left liberals are lying when they say that they're not valuing loyalty. Um, again, this is, a, this is tribal and clan-ish, and liberals do that. Um, I think libertarians do it much less, and I would put myself more toward libertarian in this regard. Um, I think I answered this test giving a lot of voice to the conservative loyal side, like in the sports questions, because it's like, that's their arena, you know, like that's the whole point of those things. I don't do that stuff. And again, like I'm not scoring that high, but again, 50%, it's funny because like I haven't been loyal to anything ever. <laughs> I've never kept a job for more than several years i've like even like my longest lasting friendships have suffered plenty of tumult uh, even though i do feel loyal to my friendships like uh, it's silly that i'm like considered more loyal than a leftist but whatever that does make me suspect this test if i'm honest authority 
This foundation was shaped by humanity's long history of bonding together in hierarchical social interactions. It underlies the virtues of respect for tradition and deference to legitimate authority. Legitimate authority. It is tied to emotions such as fear, respect, and awe. Conservatives typically score higher on this. All right, well, now I'm really suspicious because I'm scoring a 67% on this? That is absurd. This puts me on the same level as a conservative. Now, honestly, guys, does it sound like I revere authority as much as a conservative? That is weird. Um, I don't know where they're basing this. Like, I definitely answered some things as a like from a traditional point point of view. Um, and I was definitely judging like the kids that were bratty to their parents or the kid, the guy that was rude to police. Um, I was like on the side of like the soccer coach, but to say that I'm like pro authority is crazy. Um, you know, I was very much against like the religious stuff or the like bureaucratic manager stuff. So I'm a little confused why this test is putting me on the level of a conservative with liberals and libertarians much lower. I think just the fact that I can appreciate hierarchy in the world is what's doing this. And it's true, like hierarchies do exist and I do basically, I don't know if I respect those, but I acknowledge them. But I exist in my own life as far outside hierarchies as possible. <laughs> so it's insane to me that this test thinks I'm like this like morally respecting authority kind of person. That's weird to me. Purity. This foundation pertains to our species need to avoid disease and parasites. It underlies the phenomenon of cultural taboos and fuels the commitment to live in a matter in a manner that abstains from indulgence in sensory desires. It's tied to emotions such as sanctity, piety, and disgust. Conservatives typically score higher. So I score exceptionally low on purity. I'm a 22%. That's lower than everyone. Um, liberals and libertarians seem to be around a 30%, and conservatives are all the way up to 60. I'm at 22. So I am not morally pure. <laughs> is that how to phrase that? I don't value purity, morally speaking. And that's basically true. I don't treat my body as a temple. I haven't taken COVID as seriously as plenty of people. But liberals are wrong to think that they're also low. Liberals care about purity. Um, diet and caring about GMOs, caring about veganism, caring about stuff like that, that's purity caring about disease, wearing your mask all the time, that's purity. Um, so just because you're like sexually open and into fetishes doesn't mean that you're against purity. So leftists are more pure than they think. I am probably a little more pure than this says. I would actually put my statements about like sexual improprieties or like the, the way of like treating sex as a sacred thing. I would put that on the level of purity, not authority but so be it. Okay, last but definitely not least, liberty. <sighs> this foundation is rel related to the individual's need to be his own master and to avoid the dominant social mores imposed by the group. It underlies the virtues of independence and autonomy. It is tied to emotions such as self-sufficiency and defiance. 
Libertarians typically score the highest on this dimension. Then conservatives and liberals the lowest. Which is so weird. It's in your name. Liberal. Liberty. Why are you the lowest? I am the highest here. In fact, this is making the point that my strongest moral foundation is liberty at 75%. So I'm closer to libertarians here. Um, but maybe I do appreciate conservatives here too. Like, I think conservatives care more about the liberty of business. This is like the free market side of liberty. And this is like the Republican... Um, the side of Republicans that's like all about big business and unfettered profit and avoiding taxes and stuff. That's not the liberty I'm talking about. I'm talking about personal liberty. And I'm shocked that left liberals scored lowest on this. It's like, that offends me, frankly, liberals. There's no reason that you should be letting conservatives be more advocating of liberty than you. I don't, I think that's wrong. I just think it's wrong. But I guess it is the way of the world now. It's the conservatives that were against lockdowns. And it's the conservatives that stand up for free speech now. I mean, that's insane to me that those become conservative points. But so be it. I'm on their side with that stuff. I think liberals are way off base to think that liberty doesn't matter. Like, you can't call yourself a liberal and devalue liberty. Like, it's a, it's an oxymoron, frankly. So there you go, guys. Um, that's my moral foundation's results. I care about liberty the most, care the second most, and then fairness. And that makes sense. This is telling me that I care about authority and loyalty, especially authority, quite a bit. That's not true. I do respect legitimate authority, like... Experts, I respect that, and so do you liberals. Like when you ever, Whenever you say respect the science, trust the science, that's a plea to authority. Um, I think that I have less of that, to be honest, but this test doesn't seem to agree. Anyways, you've heard me take the test, so you can make up your own mind. I hope this was kind of enlightening for you. I can encourage you to also go to idrlabs.com and search for the morality test. This is really a fascinating field of study, and I just think it's really valuable, guys, to understand and explore our differences and how we are, as individuals, wired, if you want to use that word, differently. We have different moral values, and I've just learned to accept that, for instance, my cousin might have a more, a stronger sense of loyalty as a as a moral principle than I do and we can debate about it but in the end I can just accept that my political opponents think and feel differently and I really value a diversity of thought I mean frankly speaking that's my point I value diversity of thought and I stand by my thoughts as I've described them to you but I respect that you have different thoughts. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm not going to tell you that the society has to be built my way. We should be creating societies that maximize um, individual flourishing as well as stuff like safety and fairness and care. 
and also allow differences of opinion without going to war about it, without killing each other about it. I'll end there. Um, I'm pro-liberty, and I still care about people. I want things to be fair, but they're never going to be that fair. So that's just the way it is. Um, reach out to me. Tell me what you think. I would love to hear from you. I really appreciate uh, everybody that does reach out to me. I love having conversations with you guys. Find me on Patreon, please. I would love your support. It's patreon.com slash keythinking. Find me on Twitter at keiththinking. Um, I am also on Instagram at keithpictures because I do still kind of make pictures. It's been a while. i got to get back into my visual art. But as of now, um, let's keep the spirit of thought alive. Until next time, guys. Ciao.